The past couple of weeks, I've been spending a lot of time pushing a lawnmower, and like you said, God speaks. Just continually hitting me with this one word over and over and over again. And I just begin to process, okay, what do you want to say about this one word, God? Believe. It's crazy because everyone I began to speak to, everyone that I began to listen in the conversations, it's crazy how often that little bitty word pops into the, the conversations. And so I was like, okay, you know, God, you're really just laying it out there. You're, it's coming through other people's mouths. It's coming through everything I read. It's coming through the songs I'm hearing. Everything is speaking that one little word, believe. Started going, all right, let's look into it. You've got something you're wanting to teach me here. So I began kind of doing some reading, researching, and coming to find out that even in my researching, even in my studying, it still wasn't making any sense. It had to come with me slowing down and going, okay, I don't get it. And it's sweet because in the midst of, of me saying, I'm not getting this, God, he goes, guess what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you. Let me guide you through this. Because I thank God that I'm not smart enough to understand this on my own. Because if I was, then I'd be intellectual. I'd be able to go, let me tell you what I think this says. But I can't because I'm not a smart cookie. I have to go, God, I'm not getting it. Plain as day, I don't get it. Show me. Teach me. There's going to be a lot of scripture this morning. I'm going to spit it out, and then I'm going to get to what's the sweet part. That's the testimony. Because I believe. Without a shadow of a doubt, I believe. If he speaks it, I'm doing it. If he says it, I'm doing it. Because the simplicity of my faith. I said a long time ago, when I began to walk in this, is God, you're going to get me through it. Period. That's all there is to it. You say it, I'll do it. I want this to be simple. I want it to be a simple faith, simple obedience. That's my main thing that, that wells up inside of me, is simple obedience. Kind of like training a dog. If I tell it to sit, I expect it to sit. You know, a well-trained dog will sit. Same with my children. I raise children simple obedience. If dad says take out the trash, guess what? Take out the trash. There's no consequences. But guess what? Kids don't always listen. We're stubborn. I'm one of them. We don't always listen. And then the trash piles up, and I'm like, all right, now you've got, you know, 45 minutes of taking out trash instead of just that one simple little thing. So I began reading, began looking into all of this, and uh, even in the testimony earlier, talking about what she believed. I mean, it's just, it's crazy what this little word can do in our lives. I'm going to tell you, the things you don't believe in, guess what? You're still believing something. You're believing that you don't believe. So either way, you're still agreeing you're either agreeing with what heaven is speaking or you're agreeing with what the world is speaking. And what God has been showing me is I have a choice. I can either believe that everything within this Bible is truth or I can believe that Satan's right and that this is a book of lies. Ouch, right? That hurts. I can either believe that Jesus walked on water and he says, I will do greater. I can either go, eh, I, don't, I don't know. I, just, I don't know if I can believe that. Guess what? I just said... You know what? I don't think I can do that because I'm a believing that I can't. So now I'm going to hit you with some scriptures. I'm going to start off in Genesis with Mr. Abraham. Because I go to the Word because this is where we've got to base it off of. If we don't base off the rhema word on logos, then, then there's no marriage there. The, the rhema word has got to be married within this word. Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not fear, Abraham, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham said, O Lord God, 
What wilt thou give me, since I am childless, and the heir of the house of Eleazar and Damascus? And Abraham said, Since thus given no offspring to me, one born out in my house is heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars. And if you are able to count them, and he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Imagine that. Imagine this vision, this thought, this thing that's popping in your head going, look at the stars, look up. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And then the next thing that pops in your head is your descendants will be more than these stars. You have two options. <laughs> Whatever, that's strange, stars, children. There's no way. No. In that moment, he says, you know what? I believe you, God. I don't get how it's going to happen. I have no children right now, and you're saying I'm going to have all of these. But in that moment, he chose to believe, and I like what it says next. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Here we are. You've got to understand where I'm setting. In my walk right now, I'm trying to understand the Old Testament in conjunction with the New Testament. Laws versus walking in the Spirit. And it's where God has placed me on purpose because I've, uh, he's wanting me to understand what does it mean to walk out these laws? What, is, what does that mean? Okay. Well, here, Abraham was righteous because he believed, not because he sacrificed some calves and did a whole bunch of laws and rules and following these things. He listened and he believed, and that was accounted unto him as righteousness. Abraham wasn't perfect. Those of you who've read the story, he was not a perfect man. But it was accounted unto him as righteousness. So before he, when he stood before God, what God saw was a righteous man. Because Abraham says, I believe. As simple as that is, I believe you, God. You spoke it. I'll believe it. Now I'm going to jump over to Genesis 22. Okay, many of you know this story. It says, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he says, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Okay, so we're fast-forwarding a bit here. God finally gives him his first son. All right, so you've got that picture. He says, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him as a burnt offering to the one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place in which God has told him. And on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes, and he saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to the young man, Stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hands the fire and the knife. And so the two of them walked together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. Abraham knew that his son, from the, what, what God had spoken, was that offering. But after reading this, I was like, what was going on in his head? He's a simple man. Abraham was a simple man. Why didn't he just say, well, Isaac, you're the offering, you know, well, that's why you're carrying the wood. No, because I believe there was a belief inside of him going, God, I know 
I'm going to follow this through. But I have, a, I have something inside of me saying that this isn't the completeness of the picture. It's a belief inside of him. And if you ever had those things that's inside of you and you're just like, I just, I believe that this isn't the way it's going to end up. It's looking bad. The picture looks bad, but just something inside of me is welling up saying, I don't think this is the entirety of the picture. I believe this is what Abraham had going on right here. That's why he didn't tell his son, well, Isaac, it's you. You're the one I'm fixing to slay and burn. Because there was a belief inside of him beginning to say, no, God is providing the perfect lamb. And so it goes on that the ram shows up, an angel, okay? So this, that's what's inside of Abraham, comes to pass. It wasn't ended up in his son, but it was accredited to him. Our belief and what we believe always equals obedience. If I'm going to believe God, I've got to be obedient. Because those two are married. There's, there's no way to separate them. Because what that is, is what the church has right now. A bunch of believers who are not obedient, and when those who are not within the church see them, what do they call them? Hypocrites. Unbelievers, okay? They'll preach it, but they're not walking it. Well, that's because we've got to believe and be obedient in it, okay? We've got to marry the two back together. All right, I'm going to go to Mark 9, start in verse 14. And when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them, and he said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsions and falling to the ground, and he began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it often thrown him, him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Before I started these next three, this is the three things that are going on within the church. Not necessarily this church, but within the church of the nation. This is what God has been hitting me with. That right now we have three different things going on that are, that are speaking. And this one that I just spoke to you is the wayward believers. Oh, Jesus, if you can. If you can, heal this person. If you can. And what he says, if you can, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am. That's what he was screaming out in that moment. If you can, seriously, people, believe, okay? He says all things are possible to him who believes. And he wasn't saying he was going to do it if the man would have just believed. If the man would have just believed that God is all-powerful, that God can do anything, that if we just believe, and that Jesus came to show us that walked-out living version of that. If I mimic my life on Jesus, then I should see somewhat the same walk as Jesus. And immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe, help my unbelief. And then when Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him 
and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. And when he had come into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not cast him out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. I'm going to tell you, that's not hard. Prayer is not hard. Most people make it to be this hard thing. All it is is simply saying, all right, God, what do you want to do? And listening and waiting and doing what you hear, doing what you see. This is the thing God is really showing me about wayward believers. They're expecting Jesus to do it all. If you can, Jesus, just do it. And he's saying, dude, just believe. Just believe. I said it. You do it. It's simple. Instead of going, Jesus, you, 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 going, Jesus, what can I do in this situation? How can I release your glory? How can I release your healing? How can I be a part of this, God? Because he wants to be, us to be caught up in this story. He doesn't want it to be all about him. It is all about him. It's all about him and me. But the sweet thing is, is my name will get to be in the entirety of this book. Okay, let me tell you about a vision I had a long time ago. I had a vision, we were on a Friday night, and what I saw was a library that went as far as the eye could see this way, as far as the eye could see this way, and as far as the eye could see this way. And what he talked to me about that night was, if you take a look at the difference between Kings and Chronicles, Kings is the way man saw what was happening. Chronicles is what the priest of that day saw what was happening. Some of the people who had long stories in Kings only had a short little story in Chronicles, just a little blurb, because that was the only thing that was good that was saw. Everything else was a story of pain, conflict, defeat, and only small parts of victory. And in this library, what I saw was thin books, big books, really big books, and I started going, okay, God, what is that? It's your lives. Each one of you have a book on that shelf. Those who have decided that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, guess what? Our story is being written from that point. I'm going to be able to pick up my children, my grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren's book one day and go, wow, God. And my prayer is, God, let mine be a thick book. I want to have a book that is worthy of reading. I want my life to be a story that's worth reading about. I don't want just some two-page novel you flip, flip, and you're like, oh, that ended quickly. (laughs) It's like, I want a book that can keep you entertained. That's what I want my life to be about. And the only way to do that is seeing him through me. That's it. Because if it's not him through me, then my book's going to be really short. Because that, he's not seeing me. He's seeing his son through me. He's seeing the obedience that I'm doing by walking out what he's speaking. Now, the second thing that's happening in the church across this nation right now is you've got to see it to believe it. Okay. So we're going to go to John 4, and we're going to start at verse 46. And he came therefore again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water to wine, and there was a certain royal official there whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, and he went to him and was requesting him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus therefore said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. 
The man believed the word that Jesus had spoke, and he started off. And as he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. And so he inquired of them the hour of when he began to get better. And they said, before to, then they said therefore to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it, knew that it was the hour in which Jesus had said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. That's big. But it began with him going, Okay, I got to see this. Is this really going to happen? And Jesus is saying, Why must y'all see it to believe it? Why do you have to see, this, see it to believe it? If you listen to the lady's testimony a while ago, powerful. All it took was one little Bible within a, on a bed at a hotel. And you had a choice in that moment to believe it. Or are you going to have to see it for yourself? Are you going to have to actually witness the miracles for yourself? When he's saying, you don't have to. Just believe it and it will be done unto you. Just believe. Just believe that you've got that same living, breathing Holy Spirit inside of you and resting upon you, wanting to do the same signs, wonders, and miracles in here, wanting to see people's children stand up out of sick beds, wanting to watch people walk who've been crippled. That's in you. You don't have to see it first to believe it. And then the next one, there's the third thing that's happening in the church right now is doubters. If you go to John 20, 19 through 29, it says, When therefore... It was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his sides. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw that it was the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he remembered, He breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, then they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I shall see in his hands the imprint of the nails and Put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hands into his side, then I will not believe. And after eight days, again, the disciples were inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came to the doors, having been shut, stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. The doors were shut and Jesus is in the room. Okay, just think of that. All of a sudden, just picture if, I don't know, Randy or Jay just kind of walked through the wall and just was all of a sudden here. Your first thought would be, you know, like, whoa, what just happened? You know, I just believe something supernatural happened. Okay, well, here's Thomas, and he's still going, not getting it. Thomas is not getting it. just appears into the room and still not getting it. That's how much the spirit of doubt had begun to manipulate his thoughts, begin to wreak havoc on his soul, because that's where all of it takes place is right up here in your thoughts and your mind. That's where all of this is happening. This war that we, we have going on inside of us isn't in my hands or my feet. It's in my thoughts. It's in my soul. Okay? So here he is. We'll keep going. It says, Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and be not unbelieving but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? 
Blessed are those who did not see me and yet believe. You know what? I haven't seen Jesus. I haven't poked his hands or his side yet, but I believe. And the sweet thing is, is there is what it says, a little word that's attached right there. Blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. We've got an entire generation raising up right now of these three wayward believers. They're like, ah, Jesus will do it. If it's, if it's his will, it'll happen. You know, if it's his will, I hate hearing that. Okay, if it's his will, if, if that word is just like poison to my ears, if. Why is there even an if? It's a yes or a no. Either he spoke life or he allows death. Okay, either or. If, if someone is meant to live who is in the process of dying, it's up to you or whoever he's spoken that truth to, that vision or that word, to step in obedience to produce that life, to release that life. It's like I was thinking this morning, okay, God, how do I, how do I process this? How do I speak this out? How do I get it out so you can understand it? If my boss doesn't give me my paycheck, I don't have any money, okay? It's in his pocket, but I have to go on, continue working without pay. That's the same thing that's going on with, I'm going to say, John. It's in somebody's pocket. It's already been given to somebody within this body that he will stand up. And it's waiting for them to release what has been given to them. And it's the same for each one of you. Each one of you have something that is for someone else. Even for myself, it's like, Last night, we were in Walmart, not in ministry or anything. I'm just doing my thing with Deb, shopping, picking up stuff. And this young girl, who's only attended church here maybe a few times whenever I was pastoring, she walks past, and I just wave. And then she turns around and comes back. And I was like, okay, small chat, how's things going, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you know, it's been rough. I have zero friends right now in school. And I was like, well, you know what? You're not meant to fit in. You're meant to stand out. It was cool to watch her walk away with a big smile. And it wasn't really anything I said. It's just what popped in my head. And it's because I have uh, laid my life down and I'm going, okay, God, I abide in you. Holy Spirit, I abide in you. And afterwards, I was like, well, that was cool. You know, that's, we, I got to experience her attitude change. Okay, she got to see it from a whole different outlook. And I didn't, you know, it's not something I could have thought of. I was like, what can I say, Max, to help her? No, it just kind of popped out. But that's what's happening as I'm growing older and beginning to learn how to walk and abide in him and he abides in me. Then my mindset begins to shift that my mind is no longer on carnal things. My minds are on, on his things, okay? So I begin to speak things that are not of myself and afterwards going, man, did I really say that? That, that was good. I need to write that down somewhere, and then I don't, and I forget. So this is the same for each one of you. This is what he's speaking for this, for this congregation. There's some of you in here right now that are battling with wayward thinking, okay? Thinking, I, I want to see the signs, God. Then, then I'll start to do them, okay, God? You show me. Show me, God. And he's saying, no, you show me my glory. You show me my glory. Because the sweet thing is, is when we get to be a part of, of his glory, we get to experience that. We get to feel it. Whenever we get to see the blind to see, the lame to walk, the, the dead raised, we get to be a part of that glory. It's like getting to experience, like the picture I'm getting is experience being a part of a jackpot winner, like everybody's put in, and then it's a big win, and everybody's like, yes, I'm a part of this. 
you get to be a part of a big winning because it's the kingdom of heaven's winnings. It's his glory. And you're getting to be a part of that. You're getting to experience it. You're getting to taste it. The other thing is see it. Even in this congregation, there's some who have to see it to believe it. Oh, yeah, I said that a while ago. Wayward thinkers, those, you're wanting Jesus to step up. You're wanting Jesus to do it. You believe Jesus can do it, but you're like, if you can't, Jesus, you know, I'm... The same with, with like Bubba and Kay and the things that we spoke this morning that are, that are going on within this congregation. Randy Wood, he's been on my heart this morning since we were talking about him. I believe that he's going to be fully regained, okay? Fully regain his health, his strength, everything. Not a drop of it will be lost. Because that's when we were talking and talking about how he's lost weight and he's lost even, he looks older. All these things this morning, it's like all I could feel on the inside is no. What the enemy has taken will be given back and it will be given back in greater measure. So that's my release to you. It will be given back in a greater measure. And so what are we going to begin to put our mind on? What are we going to begin to believe? I don't want to believe my old thoughts because my old thoughts were weak. My old thoughts were dumb. But I'm wanting to believe what God is trying to speak and what he's wanting to do within this body. Okay, this body is unlike any other body. I, I've been a part of other churches. I've been, I have friends who are other churches. A year ago, the, one of the very last uh, Friday night worships we did here, I had a vision. It was one of the strange, strangest visions ever. But I saw these two aisles being as escalators. They were just like treadmills. And they were... People were fighting to get down to their pews. They were fighting to get into this church. Some didn't make it. I saw a few who did make it. And I began to understand over the last few months of what that truly meant. I've got to fight to be in here. I've got to want to be here. Because if not, I'm going to be kicked out that door. And you can look around right now. There's a lot who aren't here who used to be here. Over the last few months, I began to understand. And it just clicked for me a couple of weeks ago. That that's what was happening. God's saying, how hard are you going to fight to be a part of what I'm going to do here? How hard are you going to work out to be a part of what I'm fixing to release here? And that's belief. And the other one, there's another one. Mr. Rich, you've been on my heart heavy for the last couple of weeks. You have been placed in such an amazing role of leadership and authority in the school. And it's amazing. It's powerful. I love to watch the young men talk about you and even some of the young ladies because when they look up to you, you are an influence who will change their life. You may not see it right now, but I can guarantee you in the future they'll come back to you and thank you because I did the same thing with some of my teachers who would not give up on me, who would not give in. They kept on. So I came back as an adult and I said, thank you for never giving up on me. He has called you to be that leadership role and you're doing an amazing job at it. There's others within this body. You're still battling. You're battling with prophecy. You've been given the gift of prophecy. And he's saying, prophesy. Speak to the winds. Raise the dead. Speak life back out. This is in you. He's given you these gifts. He's given you these authorities. He's saying, here's the keys to my brand new Ferrari. Go drive it. Go have fun. You know, it, seriously, if someone walked up and said, hey, there's a Lamborghini. Here's a Ferrari. Aren't you going to go, yes? You're going to have fun with it, right? Well, here's the thing. He's saying, here's the keys to the kingdom. Go release a kingdom. You are seated in the throne room with the king of kings. You have all the authority over the kingdom. As far as the eye can see in every direction, you have that authority. 
as sons and daughters of the living God. And so it's like, where do, you, where do, where do we place this? Where, 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 do you, where do you set with that? It's like, it's strange, okay? You know, I'm a king, but yet I'm living in poverty, or I'm living in pain, or I'm living in ailment, or whatever. How do, how do, how do I get that? You've got to believe. You've got to believe it. Okay, with every drop of who you are, you have to believe. Sell out. Sell everything. Not literally, but for some, maybe. Sell everything, every thought, everything. Get rid of it. I'm giving everything that I am to believe. I will live this life. I will lose everything if only I can believe. That's what Job did. He believed. He gave everything, and it was given back to him. But I'm going to leave it with one last. It's Matthew 21, 22. And it's just this one verse. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. And what's sweet is just the way as I have preached to y'all today, I preached to a bunch of RA boys the exact same message last Wednesday. And it's funny, they got to be my test dummies. Thank you. And it's funny because at the end of that, I had them chanting, believe and receive. Believe and receive. And it's funny hearing 12 little boys just chanting, believe and receive. But the power in that moment was real. Because I got to see a bunch of little boys' minds click. Because they got to understand, if I believe, I'm going to receive. If I truly believe I've been given keys to the kingdom, I'm going to receive that kingdom. It's not like I've got to wait till death to get it. It's not like I have to wait till something happens. No, at that moment, you're given keys. And they're yours. They're given gifts that are to be given. You have in your pocket the healing for someone else. Each one of you. Not one of you has something not to give. Every single one of you have something for someone else. Whether it be a word of encouragement, a word of knowledge. You don't know what it is? Guess what? Pray, then receive. Ask God, God, what do I have to give? What do I have to say? What do I have that you want me to do? And then be obedient. Simply obedient. For me in my life, in my walk, many of you know, I'm pretty simple. I'm not really complex. As far as right now, in January, I woke up one morning going, I don't feel like I'm going to be paid from the church anymore. I felt like my time, my season of being paid by the church was over. And in that is all the complexities of what am I going to do? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to do that? How am I, how am I, how am I, how am I? can be extremely overwhelming. But for me, I have a simple faith. God's going to take care. For Deb, who is a lot more complex than I, it's not always the easiest way of saying. It's like, oh, don't worry about that. I will tell you, right before I went to Kenya, we were praying because we really felt like Deb and the kids, while I was in Kenya, was supposed to go to a conference in Kansas City. She's like, that's going to be almost $1,000 for us to do that. We don't have it. And this was on a Saturday night we're talking about that. I was like, you know what? I just believe that God said we're go- y'all are going, then the money's coming. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't stress. Don't. I just believe it'll be here. The next morning, in this very church, we walk in, and a lady within this body grabs Deb and goes, hey, I was uh, praying, and I really felt like God said I'm supposed to give you $1,000. And she goes, I can only do 500 right now, and when I get paid again, I'll give you the other 500 and instantly, as sweet, my belief, her, you know, like, I don't know, changes in that moment from a Saturday night to a Sunday morning. Well, Kenya passes and everything. We come back. They ended up going. Still hadn't received the other $500. 
you know, she said, and we're talking on a Saturday night again, going to Lubbock, talking about school supplies and, and clothing and all of that mess of trying to get kids started in school again. And we have zero. And it's like, okay, God, I believe. I believe that you're going to give because we're talking. You're like, we, we still haven't received that other. You know, it'll, it'll come in the perfect timing, you know. And I was like, yeah, I believe it will be perfect. And what's crazy is that very next morning, that Sunday morning, we walk in here and she goes, hey, last night I just felt, here it is today. And it's cool to get to watch God do these things, to get to watch him. Because the sweet thing is, is for me, it doesn't matter for me if I got the 500 or not. I got to see someone else listen and be obedient. That's the cool thing is when I get to see other people walking out what they're hearing and they're seeing. The other day I had a conversation with my boss and he was talking about not working because the rain and everything, about money not coming in. And I just flat out told him, I says, you know, if I don't get a paycheck from you, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me a bit because you're not the source of my income, period. You're not the source of my kids being taken care of. You're not the source of the food in my house. God is. So whether that paycheck comes from your pocket or it comes from someone else's or it comes supernaturally, I don't care. I just trust and believe. And it was cool because I got to watch his face almost shifted. Some people just don't understand. It's like, no, I've got, I've got to work really hard to make the money. I've got to work so much. Kids, I'm sorry, I'll see you on the weekend maybe. I've got to do this. He's the provider. If I'm obedient, he's going to provide. If I'm not obedient, guess what? I'm not following in that provision. And that's, that's the thing that when I'm talking about that gift that you each have, you have someone else's provision. Be willing to give. I've got to see two dead raised. I want more. I don't want to be settled. I want to see his glory fully released. Whether I'm a part of it or not, whether I get to see it through someone else, that still makes me happy. If I'm a part of saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, that's fine because I get to watch somebody else release his glory. I get to be a part of seeing him made known. When you read in the Old Testament, one of the things I like to do is I like to look up the original word. Believe in the Old Testament. Amen. A-M-A-N. Amen. And it's crazy to think, when it hit me the other day and I read that, when we believe, we're actually saying amen to heaven. We are making a heavenly understanding. Amen. Lord, I place my thoughts before you. And I pray that every man, woman, and child in here places their thoughts before you, Lord. That we not be a people leaning on our own beliefs, but we believe that every word you speak is truth, Lord. Even in the moments, Lord, when we feel weak and unknowledgeable, Father God, it's you. That's all it boils down to is it's you, God. We want to believe. We want to believe the crazy things. We want to believe the things that are so hard to understand. We want to believe them real for our own lives, Lord. Right now, even for some of the men and women in here, Father God, who battle with different thoughts of unbelief or wavering or even seeing to believe it, Lord, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that right now you just speak to them. That you just speak the truth to their hearts and that they would feel you moving around them as much as a whirling wind, even to the, the simplest of just a, a prick upon the heart. Lord, we wait on you. We want nothing more than you, because you're the end result. Our belief and what we believe, it all equals you. 
Father God, as we work, as we sleep, as we do the simple things in this life, let our thoughts be on you. Let us be believing the things of heaven. Father, we just thank you and we just praise you. In Jesus' name.